This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. My name's Annalise. I am an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And my name's Melanie. I'm also an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And today we have a very special guest, um, our very own Lucia Foster Engen. Did I say that right? You did. Okay. <laughs> we just used the first name, so it's easier for us. Yeah. Just Lucia. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so good to have you, Lucia. Thank you for calling me to come here. I'm excited. Yeah. Yes. So Lucia is the head of our biofeedback department, um, and she is a PhD candidate in clinical psychology, but she also is an official biofeedback therapist and has some specialty in clinical trauma, obesity, mm-hmm. connection to overeating, all kinds mm-hmm. of good stuff. The anxiety, because it's all related, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And so let's start out with what is biofeedback? <laughs> so there's different modalities of biofeedback, but the source of the word biofeedback just means that you have some feedback from your biology, right? So when we get anxious, when we have pain, our bodies will react and respond certain ways. And so what we do in biofeedback, we hook you up to the computer and the computer will tell us, biofeedback therapist, what's happening to your body when you're in a calm state, when you are stressed or anxious. So it's gonna be some changes in breathing pattern and heart rate, uh, the amount of sweat in your hands when we are a little stressed or anxious, kind of sweats more. So we measure all of that so we can have an idea how to uh, help you manage a lot of that stress. So you, you have like an awareness of how your body reacts when you are in that state. That That's fascinating. Yeah. So what it draws my attention to is talking about just starting with, so stress causes physical reactions. Absolutely. So there's a lot of things that we notice, like stress and anxiety, right? So there's the, the autonomic nervous system in the body that just it's basically connected to the limbic system in the brain, which is a part that's reacted to emotions. So the autonomic nervous system has the sympathetic, which is responsible for the flight or fight uh, response in the body, and the parasympathetic controls relaxation and digestion. So when we are dealing with any sort of stressor, uh, there goes the little you know, part of the brain called the amygdala that's just like, oh my God, there's something happening. So this system is only uh, created, let's put it this way, to help us deal with real danger, right? So if you are fighting for your life, there's a lot of changes in your body that's gonna happen. So it constricts all the extremities, the veins, so it pulls more blood to the torso and helps you actually survive. So it shuts everything else that's not shut, but you know, slows down everything in the body that's not really needed for survival. So it uh, saves energy. So all the digestive sy- system is kind of shut down. The heart race is hard. There's increase on your blood pressure. So this is all to help you survive. The big problem is that your brain doesn't know how to differentiate between a real danger and a managed manage- 
imagined danger. Uh-huh. So if you are watching a, a movie, for example, just like, I don't know if you guys are Game of Thrones fans, I am. Yeah, <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. So, I mean, there were times that just those white walkers walking around, and I'm just like, oh my God, and I'm just feeling anxious myself, and I'm like, why is my heart racing? I'm just watching TV. That's because whatever is happening there, we are having an emotional reaction, and the brain is like, oh, we need to help her survive this, and then triggers the fight or flight also. And another thing that happens is if you are anxious, worrying about things that are going to happen or worried about what happened during the day, you're going to have that happen too. So the brain gets into a point where you're just like in that fight or flight, even if it's mild, all the time. And sometimes you don't realize that that's happening. So being able to see, just like, oh, I'm in that state. What do I do? Right. So essentially being in in a fight or flight mode where your body's kind of preparing you to move, to run away, Mm -hmm. and you're literally just sitting. You might be sitting at your desk or you might be sitting in traffic, but you're having all of those physiological reactions. Yes. And one of the things like that I have seen a lot, especially with COVID now with the pandemic, uh, in the beginning, I don't know about you, but I was just like kind of freaking out. Just like, oh my God, what is this? Is this, you know, is going to Oh yeah. I get a sniffle. I'm like, is it the vid? Is it it? Is this, is this going to be the end? <laughs> Googling, what are the early symptoms of COVID? Oh, I'm yeah. sure my Google is so happy. Every, every day I was like, is it this or new? <laughs> yeah. So that kind of, right now, we are just like a little bit more relaxed about it. But reality is that's all in the background still. So somebody might have had, you know, anxiety all their lives. And then, you know, that state of anxiety is heightened. And then they have a problem, you know, somebody gets sick or they, you know, have pain or whatever. So what happens is that that level of anxiety that we have that puts our body to an extreme that you might not be intellectually realizing that your body is in that state, but your body is like that. So it's like an image that I like to give to my patients is like if you have a scale where zero is where you are totally relaxed, fight or flight is just like nothing, 10 is a panic attack. If you are at zero and some stressor happened like a level three, you're just like, oh my God, what's happening? But then kind of mentally you go through it, the thing goes down and you go back to your baseline that's zero. But if you just like keep adding stress, 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 and you are at the level five, and the level three stressor happens, you feel like it's an eight. And then you're like, I'm overreacting. What's happening? You're going to snap at somebody pretty quickly. And the reality is that your body is at an extreme state, meaning that sympathetic nervous system that was supposed to help you deal with the stressor and bounce back to being at baseline level, it's not able to do that. So what do you do? to fix that. So what we realize with biofeedback is that if you slow down your pace of breathing, you start increasing your body's ability or flexibility to deal with stress by increasing the variability of your heart rate. So that kind of allows you to just like go down to a more calm level and lower your baseline so that you're eventually able to deal with that stressor in a better way. Wow. That, that makes so much sense. And I feel like we see this a lot out in society with people snapping mm-hmm. at, you know, uh, grocery store workers mm-hmm. or just being more on edge. So what you're saying is that because that stressor is happening, we have we have the pandemic going mm-hmm. on. We have some other things going on this year that even though we're mentally fatigued with it, where it's not front and center in our head, it's always going on in the background 
upping our baseline of stress. Sort of, yeah. I mean, I have many patients that come to me and all of a sudden, like they're in their 40s or 50s or they're a lot of stress and there's like, I always dealt with stress, never was a problem for me. And now I'm just like freaking out, having panic attacks. And reality is that many times you don't really deal with that anxiety. You just brush it to the side and you keep on going. And for a while, you're able to deal with it without big, you know, effects on your life. But it gets to a point where your body's just like, I can't, I can't, I'm stretching too thin. And then it's going to say, you need to learn how to deal with this. So that's where the emotional resilience comes from. So it's one thing to say, just put it aside, I'm not going to allow this to bother me. But still, you know, just let me put it back. So one thing is you have a stressor, and then you just deal with it, and you worry about it, and that's just like all the time. But you're just like, fine, I'm just going to move on from problem to problem. And the other problem is like when you have emotional resilience, is that you have a problem coming to you. You know that that's bad, but you know how to handle it because you're just like, okay, I know the tools that I have so that I can calm calm myself down with this stressor instead of just like, just put it aside, I'm not going to deal with it. I kind of think of it in my head, this is like I'm, I'm visualizing something kind of as an analogy where it's like you have a wall, a dam holding back the water and there's little holes that keep peer, appearing. You're like, Band-Aid, 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 mm-hmm. Band-Aid, Band-Aid, big crack. You're like, uh-oh, I have to deal with this because this big crack's going to ruin the wall. I'm kind of thinking that because yeah. I feel like you're spying on me because <laughs> <laughs> because I related to this way more than I probably thought I realized. And I was like, oh man, I understand everything she's saying. And I feel like I am a bundle of anxiety a lot of the time. And it's just an accumulation of anxieties that I just don't deal with. And it's like putting a Band-Aid on it. You move on to the next problem until you're like, why am I having panic attacks for no reason whatsoever? It's everything. Right. <laughs> and and part of it, I think, is also that, you know, our society kind of uh, expects us to be just like the best, right? You have to be number one, MVP, just like instead of this team is a great We're a team. winner. Yeah. So if you feel like... If you are weak somehow, a lot of people associate being stressed and being anxious as a weakness, and so you try to not to deal with it. And reality is, is those little weaknesses that we have that actually makes us strong. Because you look back and say, wow, I was having such a hard time dealing with this when I was 20. I'm like 30, 40, 50, whatever age you are, and just like, oh, this looks like there's nothing. And at the time, meant so much to us. So it's it's a matter of actually learning how to fix the first, you know, hole in the den instead mm-hmm. of oh, put a band-aid, I don't want to deal with it. Or also just like so I can, you know, brushing things mm-hmm. under the carpet. It's it's gonna catch up on you at some time, you know? Yeah. So and so biofeedback is a way to dial that back down, become mm-hmm. aware. What what would you say, like looking at that we go to you, and what's kind of the process? What's... So the, the first thing that I like to know is get your history. Say, why are you here? Oh, I had a panic attack, or you know, I'm anxious. And I would just ask, oh, how, how long have you noticed that you've been anxious? So some people say to me, like, uh, I actually was always anxious, just thought that people were like this, you know, and now I realize that I was very anxious. So I want to hear the history. So once I hear the history, understand what triggered you, I want to know, how was your life? How did you grow up? What happened then? So I tried to give you some psychoeducation about this is how the brain works. So one thing that I, I tell them is that the brain kind of 
learns patterns, right? So if, let's put back on what we do here, like emotional eating, right? So one, once you are at a certain age, you didn't decide, I'm gonna emotionally eat. You just, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna binge eat, it's like, yeah. it will solve all my problems. Yeah, right. it. Clearly that's the solution. <laughs> so what you wanted was to kind of soothe yourself at that time. So you started, you know, ate something, oh, this feels good. And then the brain learned, mm, so this makes me feel good. The next time you are stressed, you say, okay, I'm gonna eat this again. Gets to a point where people will emotionally eat, even if they are not thinking about, it. I'm not stressed. You just saw, you know, a donut and just go ahead to eat it because the brain says, oh, that makes me feel good. So what we wanna do is just like identify the pattern, right? So there's a program in your brain. And what I wanna do is teach you a breathing pace where you're gonna slow down your pace of breathing enough, where your heart rate is gonna slow down enough, that that is a tool to come down that you know stress in the body. Like I feel that you know tension in my chest, I feel that discomfort in my belly. So the breathing is gonna have, you're gonna have that tool to come down the body. The goal is gonna to be to put a new program in your brain where, okay, if I feel this way, I don't have to eat, I have this breathing that calms me down. But what's connecting the tool of the body with the brain is your thoughts. So it's important for you to identify what is my thought process. I always ask my patients, what is the story you're telling yourself about mm. this particular thing? Oh my God, and it's like, I can't deal with this. If, if this happens to me, it's gonna end my life. I'm gonna you know, uh, be fired or my husband will divorce me or I'll never find a boyfriend so, or a girlfriend. So. It's just like, you know, what is the story you're telling yourself? Depending on how you're telling yourself what's happening, you're, you're getting your sympathetic nervous system more engaged in it and making you feel more anxious. Eventually, you're going to need that thing. Is it the food or alcohol or gambling or spending, whatever it is, to calm you down. So what I want you to do is just like, I have another tool. I have a breathing that helps me calm down. It's not something immediately like, oh yeah, it's magic, you breathe and that's over. No, that breathing helps you tolerate that distress in the moment so that you become resilient and say, okay, I hate this feeling. I feel uncomfortable, but I have something that I know that I can do that helps me get through this problem. And so this is my approach to biofeedback, basically. I love that so much, mm -hmm. looking at the breathing as as a tool, like almost an external tool. So usually when I think about this kind of stuff, whether it's struggling with drinking or eating or whatever bad coping mechanism we've come up with, I think of like white knuckling it through, mm -hmm. you know, and that's usually when we break. So yeah. to have a tool, like an active tool that you can go do instead of just like, hoping that the feeling <laughs> Sitting will Sitting and stewing in your stress. Right, <laughs> and, and one thing that I want to point out is that, you know, it's telling you to breathe is not a new thing, right? It's something that's there for that. We know it's like instinctual. What people don't know, and I, I didn't know this before, is that every person has a different pace of breathing where your body is gonna respond in a way that's very smooth and calming. So if I breathe five breaths in a minute, you know, very rhythmically, I can see my heart rate following exactly what my breathing is doing. And I can see in the computer that my body is calming down, the sympathetic is going down, and everything is 
getting in balance. She has a neat little program with all these little like, <laughs> yeah. squiggly lines and things. I've seen it before. It's fascinating <laughs> to watch. Yeah. So this is like my pace is five. Maybe you're going to breathe at five and it's not going to work. Maybe you're going to find that you have a six and a half. You have a seven. So once you are in my office and hooked up, we figure out, okay, Melanie, this is how you have to breathe to achieve that balance. You have to breathe like this, Annalise. This is how you're going to achieve your balance. So knowing this, you know, I even tell the patients, like, when you're trying to come down, imagine that screen, just get into that pace. Everything is balanced. So, so you know. So it's a, it's a combination of knowledge and destigmatizing anxiety and stress, right? I have, I have a patient who uh, have a history of trauma, and, you know, the panic attack, just like she would freak out with the panic attack. Until she actually one day she told me, just like, I realize that my brain is trying to help me, but it's just making things worse. So I have compassion for my brain and say, okay, you're trying to help me, but it's not good. Don't do this way. You know, so this is basically what it is. I want to destigmatize. I want to empower you to know that I have the tools, and even if I'm freaking out, that's fine. Our bodies were developed to deal with stress, anxiety. It, it all serves a purpose in our lives. So don't try to push it away, embrace it. Mm. That's okay. Stress I'm, can lead to a lot of productivity, right? I, like, absolutely. I am definitely one of those people. I have to be under a little bit of stress and I get a lot of things done. I'm very productive. Yeah. And Mostly because I think it'll make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's like that sweet spot, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if stress and anxiety up to a certain level is fine. So that's where you embrace it. Once you're noticing that you know, you're obsessing about it, you can't let go, that's where it becomes a problem. So you need to figure it out. This is okay. So just, that's fine. So basically that's, you know, my whole approach is helping you to find a sweet spot. And uh, if things get too hard, what can I do? Because usually people teach you, oh, breathe so everything comes down. And I had a lot of patients that say, yeah, I breathe, so what? And now I don't know what to do with this. So I try to give you the next steps, right? Just like try thinking about things this way, try to uh, you know, apply the breathing that way. So then we can figure it out. Where is the spot where you thought, okay, this is my sweet spot. I can handle things this way. What this is reminding me a lot of is something that I tell my patients a lot. I use as kind of a mantra is like, the only way out is through. Yeah, I say that too. Yeah, and so when you were talking about we don't need to push these, these feelings away, developing that that understanding that yes it can feel unbearable but the reality is is that it's not that it will pass mm-hmm. well I, I agree with what you're saying but I would like to reframe it it would be like it feels unbearable to you right now but you know there are ways that you can make it not so much unbearable. It, it's it's a matter of reframing also, as I said, what's the story you're telling yourself, right? Mm. It's just like, you know, I always tell the story like, what if, like, today, it's just Friday, this worst week of your life, you just want to go home, you get to your car, there's a flat tire. So how you explain that? You could just like, oh my God, this is annoying. I just want to go home and watch my Netflix and write, you know, whatever. You know, that's fine. It's not going to end my day. I'm just going to push it through and fine. Or you're going to say, yeah, that's all that needed. You know, it's a horrible week that happened. Now I have to deal with this. I can't catch a break, blah, blah, blah. So what's happening is that you are encoding 
a lot of things in your brain that things never work for me, things are bad, you know, everything is bad. So I always tell the validate what you're, you're thinking, what you're going through, but don't give it too much power. Reframe it in the way that you say, okay, I can, it's horrible, I hate this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something, I don't know what, but I'm gonna do something to, to make it better. And maybe you're gonna come to talk to you about, you know, I can't find motivation to exercise, maybe you're gonna come to me, I can't deal with this anxiety. You know, whatever it is that you're dealing with, you know, don't be afraid of asking for help, say, I don't know how to do this. Oh, let me give you some examples, what works best for you. Oh, I like that, I hate that one, okay. So let's see what hap you know what helps you more. So that's the empowerment I think that comes from from the validation that yeah your problem is here it's real, but there are ways that you can shift that. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's important to note too that like whatever the problem may be it may be insignificant to someone else but if it's significant to you it's significant to you so not comparing to other people. Yes. Because that's the thing I always prompt my classes with when we talk about stress management. I'm like, so who here gets stressed out with traffic? And like most of the classes like, ah, yeah, mm -hmm, traffic's the worst. And there's always that couple people like, eh, can I take it or leave it? I don't really care. I can sit yeah. in traffic all day. And everyone's like, you're weird. Get out of the room. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the, the point of the, the, the question I ask them with that is, everyone's going to perceive something differently. And I think it's really important to notice that and to acknowledge that instead of saying, well, so-and-so doesn't think this is a big deal. Why do I think this is a big deal? And then you're just adding to your story yeah. if that if that is the case, I yeah. think. Yeah, and, and I also like to remind people just like, you know, that has to do part with genetics, right? We are more prone to more anxious or more prone to pain. But if you see like two siblings in the same household, they might deal with things differently because the moment that you're out in the world, your experience is different. So your upbringing, it's gonna shape who you are. The, the life experiences you have is gonna shape who you are. And your anatomy, it's gonna shape who you are. So perhaps, you know, I'm gonna be able to put my hand in a, in a cold water and I'm gonna take it out in just like one minute and Annalise is gonna leave her hand there for three minutes and say, oh, I'm And she'll fine. make strong eye contact the whole yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> not, not because she's not feeling the pain, maybe because she has an ability like a resilience to just like be able to tolerate more pain also. So, you know, so that's what you're saying, like, you know, what is the experience I had in life that this for me, it's just like, I can't deal with that. Oh, I'm fine with that, but I can't deal with that. What? So that's like the, the validation of just like, yeah, it, your, your distress is tolerable and it's valid. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's something you can do about it? Mm -hmm. No. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drive in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Which, hey, it's been great lately. So, so when I, I talk to patients, so I to, talk to things also. So not only... If you go home and you practice this breathing every day, you're gonna have that baseline that I was talking about, it kinda goes down. If you practice the breathing in the moment and in preparation to things, you can actually reprogram your brain. So if you know that, okay, I can't tolerate you know, driving in traffic, just sit down in your body and just like in your car and breathe before because your brain is already anticipating that I hate driving. I get upset when I'm driving. So your body starts getting you prepared for fight or flight. Even if intellectually you're not even thinking about it, your body's just like, I'm ready if you need me. Mm -hmm. Somebody cuts you off, you go, <laughs> right? So, but if you breathe before, you get that baseline to start lower. 
So if somebody cuts you off, you're going to react to it, but not to that point. And if you do react in that moment, you breathe and try to keep that needle down to that tolerable level. And then when you stop your car, you park, you're just like, okay, it wasn't that bad. There's stuff that happened. I didn't like it. But that's how you reprogram your brain slowly, right? So just like, you know, I know that that happens. I'm not even going to have talk to that person and they're going to be there that just like trigger me. You just make sure to prepare for it ahead of time. So it doesn't mean that you're not going to start liking something, but it's going to mean that you're going to be able to tolerate it better. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So this reminds me of, of kind of how I came to realize some of my own anxiety. Um, so I've been an, a fitness instructor, aerobics instructor, since I was you know, 21. So most of my being in front and you're of- you're 25 right now? Yeah, I'm 25. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just add like 14 years to that. But, <laughs> um, but so most of my experience being in front of people was exercising. And yeah, I, I would feel a little bit nervous, but after doing it for a few years, you kind of get used to that, you know, whatever. Um, and then later in my life, I started going to like gatherings with people that I didn't know because I was trying to expand my, my social circle and be more social. And I would get into these social situations and I would just start sweating. Mm. And I was like, what is going, like, what is that about? I wouldn't feel nervous. And what I noticed was that is how my social anxiety shows itself. So when I speak to big groups of people, when I am like socializing with people I don't know, my system turns on and I, my reaction is sweating. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so what I started doing was taking 10 minutes before I, you know, go up on stage or before I uh, go meet people that I'm not familiar with is I do about 10 minutes of breathing. Perfect. And then I'm not sweating like a crazy person. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what I tell people. So the reason why this happens is you're bringing your level down. Your brain has learned, it's like, oh, talking to people, nervous. So you just like slow down. I bet you that now, even though it triggers you a little bit, you just, it's not that bad, right? It is a little bit less now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it also masqueraded for so long because of the fitness instructor aspect. Because I feel you, because we we had a discussion about this the other day where I was so sweaty before I filmed my video. And I was like, I don't know why I'm sweating. I haven't done anything yet. (laughs) But at the same time, I think, well, I guess we got away with that because we then we teach a class and get sweaty anyways. So it didn't matter. Right. You you didn't think twice about it. You're like, well, whatever. I'm exercising. So of course I'm sweaty. So I wasn't acknowledging that like or noticing that exactly and uh, you know I I like to remind my patients because some of them actually speak up and said you know I feel so bad because you guys are so well put together and you don't deal with this and I'm like what (laughs) I still deal with anxiety I still have those moments but when these moments happen I remind myself okay don't freak out you can breathe you have done this before remember that time you know that you felt so anxious and then everything was fine you know fine in the end so uh, it's not going to disappear, but once it kicks in, you're just like, okay, I'll deal with it, right? So, yeah, you know, we are going to have those moments where we are sweaty, where we are nervous. Like, I'm here, I'm pretty comfortable talking to you guys. I know that I don't know how many people are going to listen to this at the end, but, you know, I'm, I feel comfortable talking in public. But if you invite me to a party where there's like 
20 people I don't know and I only know you, you're gonna be see me all quiet. I'm just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not one that's gonna just like feel all comfortable being the life of the party if I don't know at least a couple of people there. So, and that's okay. That's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and it's okay to just accept that that you do have anxieties about things and mm-hmm. limitations, it, limitations, and and being kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and this is part of what I what I talk about is, you know, it is okay to allow that, you know, let it through, let it in and through you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end. Try to be kind to yourself. If somebody came to you with these, somebody you love, and even a stranger, and they're just like freaking out somewhere, you would just say, hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm nervous at this and this. Well, it's going to be fine. You know, you're going to be able to get through this. And just don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, and, and this is what we have to do with ourselves. You know, I remind people just like, I doubt it that you would allow anybody to talk to you the way you talk to yourself. Yeah. You were just like, What? No, 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 no. Don't talk to me this way. But yet we allow that, right? Because it's us. We can beat ourselves up. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem is, like, if you have an outlet like us that we are just, like, doing things and talking to people and dealing with anxiety, it feels a little better. But mm-hmm. for that person who is an introvert, is insecure, and all they have is that negative thought in their minds, that becomes reality. Yeah. Absolutely. Such a good food for thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Lucia, how, so if someone wanted to start this mm-hmm. with um, you, with our department, how many sessions do most people do? It depends on the person. So you would have at least two sessions, you know, like the first session where we're going to go over everything, I'll send you home to practice, and then you come back for a follow-up session. A lot of people say, well, I've got the tools. Like you have like some mild anxiety and you dealt with it, and that's fine. Some people are going to take between four and eight. But, you know, it, it, it's not like, oh, you need these amount of sessions to be okay. It's up to you, you know. You're going to come to me and say, it, it's between, I want to see that everything is fine on my computer, but I also want to see that you are feeling confident in your ability to deal with that. So maybe you'll feel okay after four sessions, and then after a year, you decide, oh, I need to come back for a booster. Well, it's fine. Come on. Perfect. Yeah. And biofeedback is something that, now, we are Kaiser, so it can be covered. It is covered. It is covered. For our patients. Yes. And if you're not Kaiser patient, you can come in and pay fee-for-service. Fee-for-service, yeah. Right now, it's $95 fee-for-service. But for Kaiser patients, is whatever is your copay. If you have, like, no copay, $10, $20, that's your copay. What an excellent... I mean, how amazing is that? Yeah, I know. We are just excited about it. And so if you want to come to biofeedback, so you'd have to have a referral, though. So either, you know, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, you know, uh, or PCP, pain management, there's a lot of departments that can refer to us. And before you come to see us, we only ask you to go to our website and watch a little video uh, intro orientation that we have. And then you can, you know, make an appointment. Right now there's me and Jonathan Marquez, uh, who is the other uh, biofeedback therapist here. And uh, you'd make an appointment. And then we go from there. Fantastic. Easy, so easy. if yeah. they wanted to make an appointment, they can use the contact us through positivechoice.org. Yeah. They can uh, call us directly mm-hmm. and just say that they want to sign up for biofeedback. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you can sign up just like, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I have pain, I have insomnia, you know, I have high blood pressure. So we see patients for all different reasons. Oh, this is so wonderful. I mean, especially, you know, going through the year that, that we all did. Yeah. To, to come and reset your baseline. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And learn the tools and be aware of what your body and your mind is doing. So I, well, I'm biased, but I, I think it's the best thing. <laughs> We're all biased about I what know. we do here. I know. We're the best, you know, whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, Lucia, thank you so much for being with us today. I learned so much. Oh, yes. Glad. Thank I you feel for like you spied me. on me, so thank you. <laughs> That's what, actually it's something that I tell my patients when they tell me a little story. I said, well, so... Let me tell you this. So you probably do this, and this is how you react. And they look at me, and just I had a patient. Are you a clairvoyant? I said, No. <laughs> it's just like what happens. Yeah. Just like you know. So that's good. So thank you so much for for inviting me here. It was awesome to be here with you, ladies. Yes, yes. we we definitely want to have you back. We will come back. We can get into like other stuff. Oh like, yeah, and then we can do more specific yes. you know, stuff. This was yes. just Tip like an introduction. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> well, until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.